Good morning, everyone. And thank you, Jeff, I think. I'm, I, I'm glad you finished well. <laughs> At one point, I thought it's time to start the car. It's great to see you all again, and uh, thank you very much for the invitation to, to come and be with you. I'm realizing this lectern was not made for a five foot nine Welshman. But uh, is this made for you, Dave? <laughs> for Jeff. Yes, okay. It's great to see you and uh, to hear what God has been doing among you uh, and to see new folks. Um, and just to come back and, and really involve for another day. And uh, tonight uh, we'll be meeting again if you'd like to come out, uh, Miss Country File or whatever else is on. And we're going to talk about going global. So bring your passports. Um, I was very blessed by, by the testimonies by that wonderful lady. I assume you're from, you're from, you're from the Northern Ireland? My wife's from Antrim. Where are you from? She's from County Amar. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. I guarantee you, when they start to talk afterwards, they'll both know someone in common. Put two Irish people together, they always know someone. But uh, I was very blessed by that. I was also really blessed by your, your testimony, John. And as you were sharing that, there's a verse that uh, we live by. It's Psalm 37, verse 25. And it says, uh, I was young, and now I'm old. That doesn't apply to you, but it means through all seasons of life. It says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and their children never beg bread. And you've made some a great decision, but you will suffer no loss. You will always have food on your table. You'll have enough to pay all your bills. God will prosper you, because you've put him first. You will never be forsaken, and your children will never, ever beg bread. Well done. Commend you. Thank you. Uh, could you turn in your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 3? Understanding that you're emphasizing the Holy Spirit, and uh, especially the dimensions of his life, his holiness, and things like that. Is that right? That's good. Otherwise, we're in trouble. <laughs> And I, I want to talk to you this morning in that line about having a holy power. When Jesus promised us, you will receive power in Acts, dunamis, that word power, ability, it has a quality to it. It's a holy power. And... Um, I want to uh, trace it through. We're going to read some scriptures and have to be patient with me. We're going somewhere. And we're going to begin in Exodus chapter 3. It's relevant. What you find in, in the book of Exodus is that it's the book of the scripture where holiness starts to be emphasized. You see it in the fall. But in Genesis, it's more to do with faith and believing and trusting God. And then in Exodus, when God meets Moses, you see this beginning of an emphasis on the God who is holy. Holiness, by the way, I'm sure you've been told this, holiness really means simply being set apart. It comes from a word meaning to cut, cut in two. 
And so, so when something is holy, it's set apart. That's the essence of it. That when you came to Christ, you were set apart. And that's what it means. It also talks about the moral quality, the moral character, the purity of God. So we, let's read, and we, we find now how uh, this begins. And this is the story of when Moses, who has 40 years previously has run away from Egypt after killing the Egyptian. And uh, it says this in Exodus 3. Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of Yahweh, let's use the name, appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. So Moses thought, I'm going over there to look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? And when Yahweh saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Don't come closer, God said. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he continued, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the story unfolds, you know, if you know the story, how God tells him he's going to send him back into Egypt to deliver the people out of slavery and bring them into the promised land. And uh, I'm always encouraged because Moses says, boy, have you got the wrong man? <laughs> and he wiggles and he wiggles and he tries to make every excuse. Uh, but God says, uh, I'm sorry, I've made the choice. Um, Let's go back down to verse 19 then, and this is where we're going to go. So God says to him in verse 19 now, Now I know that the king of Egypt won't allow you to go unless he's forced by a strong hand. Notice that, a strong hand. So I'm going to stretch out my hand and I'll strike Egypt with all my miracles. We call them plagues. He called them miracles. That I will perform in it. And after that, he'll let you go. And I'll give your people such favor in the sight of the Egyptians that when you go, you won't go empty-handed. Each woman will ask her neighbor and any woman staying in a house for silver and gold jewelry and clothing. You'll put them on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. Chapter 4. Then Moses said to him, What if they won't believe me and won't obey me? But say, No, Yahweh didn't appear to you. So Yahweh asked him, What's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And God said, Well, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Moses ran away from it. But Yahweh told him, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So Moses stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand again. This will take place, God said. 
so that they will believe that Yahweh, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God demonstrated here his holy power in a new way. I think, pretty much sure, in the scriptures, this is the first time you're going to see a man, a woman, move in a supernatural dimension. You see faith, you see Abraham, you see things happen, but by a man's hand, a supernatural manifestation takes place. That's amazing. It's an expression of the supernatural power of God's kingdom. God showed it to Moses, and then he showed it through him. He said, I'm going to stretch out my hand. Now, Moses, you stretch out your hand. And in the moment he did that, Moses' hand became the hand of God. Do you understand that? Something happened. Moses received a holy power because he had come and he'd encountered the holy God. And the first thing God said was this, I want to show my holy power and I'm going to show it through you, through your hands, through your life. Did you notice that Moses grabbed the serpent by the tail? I am... I'm sure David Attenborough would balk at that. <laughs> you don't grab a snake by its tail. If you're like me, you don't grab a snake at all. <laughs> it's not the natural thing to do. But God wanted to show Moses the spiritual authority that he had. And God had anointed him with the Holy Spirit. That's who we're talking about to do something out of the ordinary, out of the natural. He said, you've got to be kidding me to pick up a snake at all. My staff has just become this real snake, and now you're telling me to pick it up? Yes, yeah, and pick it up by its tail. What kind of God are you? I'm the God of a holy power, and I'm showing you that I have a holy power and an, and an anointing and an authority that I'm giving to you today, Moses. Now, don't worry, it's going to come down to us if we're patient with the story. You see, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power, this holy power, was not in the staff. It wasn't in the wood. It was in Moses. It was in his hand. It was in him. God anointed him. God had given him a, the holy power, and later Aaron, his brother, he gave him the power of the Holy Spirit. Now go over to Exodus chapter 7, please. Are we okay so far? You say, what's that got to do with us in 2023 in Southport? Well, everything. Everything. Exodus chapter 7 and verse 7, what happens is Moses and Aaron go, of course, to Pharaoh. And we'll pick it up now. Moses chapter 7, um, Exodus chapter 7. Verse 7 says, Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. This is an aside. You're never too old, folks. 
You're never too old. Don't disqualify yourself because you're 70, 75, 80. And don't disqualify yourself because you're 15 or 10. God is no respecter of age. Moses was 80. And they're in 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. No, you're, re you're really not too old. Please do not say you're too old to be used by God. Otherwise, we'll just get the funeral service ready. Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh tells you, perform a miracle, tell Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh and it'll become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and did just as Yahweh had commanded. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials and it became a serpent. You think, ooh, fantastic. Check that out, Pharaoh. But then Pharaoh called the wise men and his sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt, and they did the same thing by their occult practices. You think, blown it. We thought we had a winner, but they can do the same thing as us. They threw down their staffs and they became serpents. But notice this, but Aaron's staff swallowed theirs. Ha-ha! <laughs> That's a clue. Aaron's staff swallowed their staffs. Why? Because the holy power of God is the greatest power in the world. Do you know what? We have to face the fact we're in a supernatural battle. We are in a spiritual battle. The kingdom of God has an enemy. It's the dominion of darkness. Friends, I'm, I'm realizing more in these days... God has not called me into this to play games. We're not playing a game. This is serious stuff. When we start getting hold of a holy God, we're entering his life and his dominion and engaging with an enemy who hates him. But God has a holy power and he's given it to us and we are in this kingdom and the kingdom always wins. If you don't believe that, believe it today. Aaron's staff overcame the occultic serpents because the kingdom of God is the kingdom of holiness, righteousness, and peace, and joy, and power in the Holy Spirit. It has a real dynamic. It's real. It's powerful. So when our, our friend here says, someone prayed for me and I was freed from my anxiety and my depression, the kingdom of God, the holy power of God was at work. It wasn't just someone, oh, let's pray for us and see what happens. God is working in power. It's an amazing thing. See, when the kingdom of God is in action, guess who wins? Always the kingdom of a holy God always overcomes, but it has to overcome. There is an enemy. We have a holy power because we have to exercise it. We can't just sit in theory. I cannot just be a theory Christian. I have to do it, and we'll talk more about that tonight. You see, many of the 10 miracles or plagues that God brought on Egypt were preceded by Moses or Aaron stretching out their hand. 
Um, go to chapter 8, if you would, please. I think, well, this, this is Old Testament. Yes, I know it's Old Testament, but we're going to go into the New Testament in a moment. We will see the same thing. But you have to realize, if I can stress, we're not playing a game. This is real stuff. Day-to-day -day stuff. I'm not saying you're going to be casting out demons every moment of every day. But every day you're living in this kingdom, you're expressing the holy power of God to a fallen world in whatever way. Now notice what we're going to find is because often in the early plagues or miracles, the magicians of Egypt could, could replicate them. They could do it. But this one they can't. This is the first one that they can't. And in verse 16 of Exodus 8, Yahweh said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth. Now, if you know your Bible, have you ever come across that phrase, the dust of the earth, before? Who was formed from the dust of the earth? Adam. It's a clue for you. This is a creative miracle. Not like the others. Strike the dust of the earth and it will become gnats throughout the land of Egypt. And they did this. And Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff. And when he struck the dust of the earth, gnats were on man and beast. And all the dust of the earth became gnats throughout the land of Egypt. It's like being in Scotland in the summer. I'm afraid if I offended all our Scots friends. <laughs> the magicians tried to produce gnats using their occult practices, but they couldn't. And the gnats remained on man and beast. Now notice what they say. Notice what they say. The magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. This is bigger than us. We cannot beat this. We cannot replicate it. We can't do this. Why? Because this was a creative miracle. The finger of God. They said, this is the finger of God. We cannot stand against the finger of God. God is at work in a way, in a dimension beyond us, beyond our power, beyond our ability. We can do certain things, but we cannot beat this because this is the very hand, finger, spirit of God at work and it terrifies us and we know we're beaten. That's amazing. Do you realize the kingdom of God you have come into in this holy power is unassailable? You have to work and you have to prevail but the kingdom cannot be beaten. If nothing else, just realize that today. We're not playing a game, but are having a great time. Let's go into the New Testament now, please. Let's go into Matthew chapter 4. Now, we could spend all morning talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But there's uh, many verses that just kind of summarize what, he do, what he's doing, what he's up to. Can you imagine the, the stir he made? 
when this carpenter from Nazareth comes along and he says, the spirit of the living God is upon me, preach good news to the poor, heal the sick. And then he goes out, starts doing it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, just kind of one of the little summary verses you find throughout the Gospels. And it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And you'd think everybody would love it. Well, ordinary folks did. But not the religious leaders, not the Pharisees, not the teachers of the law. And they followed him around. And they opposed him and they said, uh, we don't like what you're doing. You make us feel uncomfortable. And then they went to the source and they said, we, we, we really know what you're doing and how you're doing it. You're doing it because the devil's at work in you. <laughs> That's crazy logic. Yeah, we see you casting out demons, but you're doing it by the devil. I mean, that's crazy. And then Jesus said something to them one day. If you look at Luke chapter 11, please, and this is where we're going. Bring it home to us. In Luke chapter 11, verse 20, Jesus was answering them. And he uses this phrase. I'm afraid it's not a laugh a minute this morning, but I really want us to get this. It's become more serious for me in these days. And he says this. Listen, verse 20. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, we just heard that, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Matthew's version, in Matthew's version, Matthew has Jesus saying this. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom's come to you. It's really come by the finger of God. You see, folks, the finger of God that these magicians in Egypt saw was the Holy Spirit, the holy power of God at work. They said, this is a dimension we know nothing about. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, this holy power of God is here to bring in the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. Everything that we're talking about and you're talking about, it's all to do with the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, holiness. It's peace and justice in the Holy Spirit. It's not just things that we do, we do, we do. It's very who we are, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he naturally comes with a holy power. He doesn't come and say, I'm going to give you righteousness, I'm going to give you peace, and I'm going to give you joy. No, I'm going to give you the holy divine ability to live this kingdom that will shock this world and will confuse and defeat every opponent that stands against you. You will break chains, you will break barriers just by who you are living in your world. That's where we're going to go tonight. Is this okay? 
You see, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of action. It's a kingdom of doing. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom. He said, you see what I do. You hear the things I say. You see what I teach. You see how I take a child and bless it. You see how I am kind to the poor. You see how I treat the downcast and the, and the poor and the widow and the leper and the Samaritan. You see how I'm living. Not just by the... You see how I live every day. And he said, I'm living by the finger of God. I'm living by the finger of God. I'm living by the Spirit of God. It's natural. Every time Jesus spoke to someone, every time Jesus did an act of kindness, every time Jesus sat down and gave someone his time, every time he laid hands on a sick person, or every time he would say, Oi, Zacchaeus, I'm coming for dinner. And by the way, this message is sponsored by Bowden Lodge, Southport. <laughs> Best B&B in Southport. Every time he performed a miracle, everything, the holy power of God was at work. The kingdom came. Every act was a demonstration. Why? Because Jesus' life is an example of holy power. Please don't think power is only for when in a meeting when someone lays hands on you and you fall on the floor. That can be. But Jesus lived every day by the finger of God. He said, what's in my hand? I have the power to do and to live today. Do you know this is very ordinary stuff? This is not rocket science. It's not, it's not even profound. It's just simple. Could you turn, please, with me to Acts chapter 10? You know, today's the same. Every time someone is born again, has anybody ever been born again? That's helpful. Has anyone ever been healed? Anyone ever had a prayer answered? Anybody ever received encouragement? <laughs> Anybody had a miracle of finance? Anybody ever walked through a valley of a shadow of death and come out the other side? Guess what was going on? The holy power of God is at work. It's the holy power of God that the magicians of Egypt said, this is different, folks. Do you know, folks, you're living in a different realm from your neighbors. You're living in a different world from your fellow students. You're not the same. Because the holy power of God is at work in you. In Acts chapter 10, verse 48, where Peter, this is many, many years later, is with Cornelius, this Roman centurion, and the gospel's about to break out into the Gentile world. 
and he's talking about Jesus, and he says, you've heard about this Jesus of Nazareth? And it says, you've heard how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and this power, this dynamic ability. And notice what he does. He says, first of all, he said, he went around doing good. He said, hey, oh, hang on. He didn't say much about the miracles. But he said, you know what he did? He just did good. The Holy Spirit anointed him with the power just to do good. You see, don't make it about the, oh, it's all about this. It's going around in your life, in your world, which we're going to look at tonight, doing good. Do you think you can do good this week? <laughs> do you think you can just tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, do good? Of course you can. It comes natural, doesn't it? I met you last night. That was a good meal. Thank you. Good chef. You cooked it, didn't you? Yes. Do you think you, you can live a life just doing good? Because that's your DNA. I want to show you how ordinary this holy power is. But in a world that is destroying itself through cruelty, you just have a look on social media and Twitter and all these Facebook things. The cruelty and the nastiness and the harm and the damage that people can do. But you're not like that because there's a holy power in you just to do good. I'm saying that because I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you you're weak in a moment. Then it says, he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. You have to realize everybody you meet who doesn't know Jesus. I'm not saying they've all got demons, but they're living under the power of the devil. And he's doing everything he can to keep them in his power. But you are very dangerous. You are extremely dangerous because in you is the same power that was in Moses and Aaron when they stretched out their hand. Nothing less. Please don't look at these men thinking, oh, these are the great heroes. I wish I could be like that. They are nothing in some way compared to what you've got. Because the Holy Spirit is taking up residence in you. He's not just turning up to do miracles. He's living in you every moment of every day. And every word you speak, every act of kindness, every doing good, everything you do, a laying on of a hand, or a kind word, or a generous spirit. You're breaking down the power of the devil. You're killing him with kindness. <laughs> you think, what's that got to do with the holy power? Everything, folks. Please don't divorce thinking, well, I've got my Christian life. You have a life. And your life is filled with the holy power of God. If you turn now, I've only just got one more scripture, if I may, and I want to tell you two things. Is that okay? 
I know you're quiet, but that's all right. I used to really want to think, say amen, say amen. And I suddenly realized the more I'm sitting in meetings sometimes and someone says, can I get an amen on this? I'm saying, I'm not sure yet. I'm still working out what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you find that? It's okay thinking, he wants me to say amen, but I can't, I'm not sure if I can agree yet because I'm not really, t- I don't know what he's talking about. Or I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get it. That's fine. I know what we're talking about here will have an impact way beyond these moments. <laughs> Look at John chapter 14, please. I do like you. We may have looked at the scripture before. John 14, verse 12. You say, well, where does it come into us? Well, we, we know when Jesus promised that in Acts chapter 1, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses. But earlier in John 14, he breaks it down to something really, I mean, this is atomic. This is powerful and used to frighten me. Because he says this in John 14, verse 12. He says, now, I assure you, he says, you can really believe this as if you're not going to believe everything else, he says. He says, now, get this. Roger, get this. David, get this. Julia, get this. Anyone. Anyone. You're an anyone, aren't you? <laughs> I'm a someone, yes, you are. Anyone. Andy, anyone who believes in me. Do you believe in him? You're still in? <laughs> anyone who believes in me will do the works that I do. What? <laughs> Hang on a second. Jesus, you're telling me because you're going and you're sending the Holy Spirit, this holy power, I will do the works you do. Yes. I don't believe you. (laughs) Well, Raj, you're going to have to change. But Jesus, I've never raised anybody from the dead. He says, I didn't say that. I said, you'll do the works I've been doing. You'll live like me. You'll do what I do. You see, I used to default thinking, well, I, how can I compare myself to Jesus? He fed 5,000 people. Oh, I can't even cook chicken Alfredo. <laughs> you imagine doing that for 5,000 people every night with nothing? I mean, bless you, you didn't even have mushrooms last night. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Couldn't even create mushrooms. <laughs> we had a great night. But Jesus says, well, I'm disqualified. He says, no, no. Get what I'm saying. You're going to live like me. You'll live like me. You'll do what I've been doing. See, don't default to raising from the dead. He only raised three. Four, three or four. Well, I know my Bible. You think, well, my friend Chandra can chowder in, America, in, in India has raised more than that. He's raised nine. 
But Jesus met, how many dead people did Jesus meet in all his life and he only raised three of them from the dead? That's not a great success rate. Doesn't it do with that? Break it, just smash all that. He says, Jeff, you're going you're gonna to live like me. You'll live like me. The way I am, what I do, you'll do. I think, okay, I got that. And then he says this. Not so fast, Raj. He says, then you'll do, you'll do even, even greater works than these. <laughs> Jesus, now you've left the universe, I'm afraid. No, he's saying this. Really? I used to think, well, how can I do greater works than Jesus? He doesn't say greater works than me. He says greater works than these. What's he saying? Quite simply, he's saying this to us, and this is, the, this is just what it's all about. He says, because I'm going to the Father, the holy power that is now contained in me will no longer just be contained in me. I'm giving him to you. And to you, and 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 you. So greater works means this. We're going global. You see, when Jesus was on earth, if you came to Southport, you wouldn't find him. He wasn't here. He was in Jerusalem or Capernaum. He wasn't in Southport. But he is now. Oh, he is now. His holy power is at work now. Where? Don't you feel rather important? <laughs> you think, Jesus, you got the wrong lady. Just, no, I got the right lady. Because I called you. No, I just hear I'm just I'm just filling the seat. I just come to church. No, you don't. You were coming to a kingdom and you've been filled with the holy ability and the holy power of God greater than that that Moses and Aaron showed that day. We have gone global. Can I just tell you two stories as we finish? And then I'll, that's all I got for you this morning. Is that okay? They're very ordinary. These are things that happened to Diane and me. We were at a conference in Norway. And we've been talking about these things and how, how uh, Jesus has this holy power for us. And I was teaching on this, and I just said, you know, really, um, when you put your hands on someone, they are the hands of Jesus. They really are. He said, no, they're yours. I know. But they're Jesus' hands. And we, I thought, that's a great way to finish this session. You come back later, and we'll talk more about this. Well, the next session was the next morning, and... Um, Later that day, we were sitting around having some coffee and a, a friend of ours who'd recently had a baby. She'd had a baby about two months previously and everything was fine with the baby and everything was fine with the lady except for one thing. Uh, as she gave birth and just moments later, her face, this side, became paralyzed. It wasn't Bell's palsy, but it was, it, there was a paralysis. So this whole, this whole side of her face had dropped. So she had nothing there. 
and it's a lovely lady. And she said, she came up to us in, the, in this having tea. We were just sitting having tea and coffee. This is how normal it was. It wasn't like, let's have the music, let's have the big appeal. We were just sitting having coffee. And she said, you know, when you finished the session today and you said about the hands of Je you have the hands of Jesus. I said, yeah. She said, you really believe that? Not accusing me. She said, all afternoon, she said, I was resting, sleeping, and all this was the hands of Jesus. The hands of Jesus. I just need, I just need the hands of Jesus to touch me. And she said, you really believe you have the hands of Jesus? I can't say, well, are you doctrinally? Are you? I said, yes, I do. She said, then put Jesus' hands on my face then. She didn't say, pray for me. She said, put Jesus' hands on my face. So, she, she was there, wasn't she? You were there, you saw it. That's all I did. And I said, put my hands on her face. Guess what happened? It all went back. <laughs> Super that one, fantastic. We were having a cup of tea. But she said, Do you really believe it? Yes. Well, is that because you're a preacher? No. I'm just Roger Aubrey, aged 70, <laughs> looking good. You were slow then. <laughs> I just want to show how ordinary it is. Then just, would you do that then? Yes. And she was healed. This was at the same conference. There was, we met a, another lady who I'd, we'd met before. And she's a lovely lady. And she was in the mid-30s, I think, wasn't she? And her husband had walked out on her just a few weeks before. You remind me, you'll tell the story. And left her with three young children. And she, would, she had just moved into the area to come back to the church and family. And he'd left her with anything, destitute. And uh, she wasn't asking us for anything. And she just said, uh, I said, how are you? She said, told us a story. And uh, he, he hadn't left her with any money, nothing at all. She had nothing, did she? And of course, the church, they were going to help her. But I thought, you know, you want to you wanna help. The only problem was we were in Norway and we didn't have any krona. <laughs> no, sorry, we'd already put it in the offering because we were really spiritual. <laughs> Get out of jail on that one. Yeah, one of us was spiritual. She's on tonight. I'll get my own back. <laughs> anyway, I thought, oh. So we started to look around. I thought, I, thought, I want to give her some, some krona. I didn't say, I thought, I've got to give her some, I want to give her some krona just to help her. And of course, Diane, who giving it all away to the Lord, was no help. <laughs> it's my story. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, see, this is how ordinary it is. I want to break it down. Really ordinary. So I started to look around all, all the brothers and sisters like, will one of you hear from God, please? 
and come over and give me 100 krona or two, 500, what, 10 quid or whatever. But I'm just waiting and not one of them, a couple hundred people. I thought, is there no one spiritual in this place? And none of you listening to the Holy Spirit right now. I'm just, <laughs> not one of them. Uh, God had other plans. They are spiritual people. Anyway, I got frustrated and I thought, so we went for lunch, and I'm sitting there, because it was the last, it was a Sunday, and the lunch is breaking up after we've gone home. And everybody's sitting there, and she came and sat at our table, and, uh, which made it worse. I mean, she, she wasn't begging or asking friends. She's just a lovely lady, and I'm thinking, I want to help you, I want to give you something. And no one is coming and saying, here, Roger, I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me to, to give you this for seed for someone. Not one of them. It never goes to plan. So we're sitting there, and then what happened was the, the conference organizer came in, and she started giving away gifts. And she was, as they do in Norway, they're very generous, she started giving everybody flowers and um, stuff, didn't she? Really generous, and all the people who'd helped, all the people who'd worked, and everything. And I'm sitting there, and nothing came our way at all. I'm not thinking, chuntering, hey, I've, you know, we've been here for a conference, you know. With that at all. I just thought, okay, that's great, that's great, that's great. And it was all over, and we were just sitting there thinking, oh, well, Lord, I've missed the opportunity. I, I was beating myself up. And then out, the lady who organized the conference, she came out of the kitchen with a bar of milk of chocolate. She was having a moment. <sighs> the best chocolate in the world. Norwegian milk chocolate, milk or chocolate, hint, hint. If you ever go to Norway and remember me. <laughs> we call it the Norway tax in home. I love it. And she came over to our table and she said to me, this is for you. And I looked at it and I thought, milk or chocolate. <laughs> and I, as I looked, I looked over at Diane and she said, that's not for you. Do you remember? I still love you. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I got on to the holy power of what God was about. It was a holy power because God had put something in my hands. It wasn't just the healing of a paralysis. God had put a bar of chocolate in my hand. And as either me or you said something to her, was... He said, give it to her. And I just said, this is for you. I mean, it's not like a little, it's not like the things you get. We had, a, we had two picnics on the way up. I mean, picnic. Picnic used to be a picnic. Do you remember picnics? You know, a picnic. <laughs> yeah, a wagon. <laughs> you couldn't put that in a car now, could you? Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I'm boring you. It was what, this big? And let's put it in her hand. I think you said, or I said, this is a sign for you. Righteous are never forsaken, and their children never beg bread. That's where we came in. She had no chocolate for her children. 
and hadn't chopped up for her children for ages. She started to cry. She said, I've been praying to God that I could just buy my children chocolate. <laughs> and she cried. She didn't need Krona. She needed chocolate. You see, I, that's why I don't want you to over-spiritualize or miss what I'm trying to tell you here. It's so ordinary. This holy power, when you make yourself available to the Spirit, the world is your oyster. It can be anything. It can be a text message. It can be money. It can be a healing. It can be an act of kindness. All you're doing, you're saying, I am in this same way. But every time, you know, something, in both those moments, the devil was put to flight because fear went out the door. Love came in. Hope came. Restoration came. That's what I'm talking about. I love the miracles. I love all that. And I love the dynamics. And I love people falling on the floor. And I love all that. But to see a lady who's paralyzed simply get her face back and to see another lady who just says, I just want my kids to have chocolate. And God says, I heard you. And there's this British guy who'll give it to you. And when he gives it to you, it's going to cost him a lot. <laughs> Let's pray. Tonight we're going to continue this. I, I, I hope this has helped you somewhat. That's where you're sitting. I'm learning to stop asking God to give me what he's already given me. Oh, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of his power. I want this. And he says, son... You have everything you need. You have me. Roger, it's time. Start giving it away more. Don't doubt yourself. Would you just kindly, where you're sitting, just hold out your hands before the Lord. Don't feel to lay hands on anybody. You don't need hands laid on you today, this morning anyway. Remember, God said, way back at the beginning of our time, I'm going to stretch out my hand. Moses, you stretch out your hand. Jesus said, everything I do, I do by the finger or the Spirit of God, which is talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's living in you right now. And here's the question the Lord is asking you right now. What have I put in your hand? What's in your hand?
Now, for some of you, he'll become very specific. He's not saying what I'm going to give you. He says, what's in your hand? I've already given you that. And for some of you, you might be facing something where you think, Lord, yes. You may be looking down your week. He says, you've already got that. You have that. You have, a, you have that power now. Don't need to ask him for more power now. But could I just ask you to do one more thing? He's asked you, what's in your hand? You say, it's this, Lord. He said, I hear you. As a response, would you just keep your hands in front of you and just stand, just stand to your feet? Yeah, I hear you, Lord. I hear you. This is you and him. And you say, what do I do with this? You'll say, I'll let you know. Or he might say to you, I don't know, I don't want to interfere. And he'll tell you and lead you and guide you. But today, no one is leaving here empty-handed because you have the holy power, the same holy power that Moses had that day when he threw down his staff. And you might think nothing of it. You might think it's so ordinary what he's put in your hand, like a bar of chocolate. But that has the power to crush the works of the devil. Because we are not playing games. But we all get to play. We all get involved. So let's just stand in his presence now. Then I'm going to hand back to Jeff. Jeff will come and will lead us. Heavenly Father, thank you. That you're the same God today as met Moses. And we have a sense we're on holy ground. But more importantly, we are holy people with a holy power to do good in whatever shape or form. We thank you, Jesus, you're no longer confined, but you've gone global. And we thank you, you're in Southport right now because you're living here among our friends us and your people. Give us that sense. I thank you.